2: Hello, this is Sam Matterface and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport, where we look ahead to what will be a massive weekend in the Premier League uh, with the assistant editor of the Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook. After what has been a dramatic midweek, we'll look back at some of the huge stories that have happened in the Premier League and preview every single game. Ronaldo stood hands on hip, turned, glared at the bench, and he's glaring at Ranić, who's not making eye contact with him and is stropping towards the near touchline.
1: Now, that'll be a question. Instead of everyone talking to Ranić about the game, it'll be, what did you say to Cristiano when he come off? And it'll be the same, you know, it'll, it'll be all of that. That'll be the agenda.
3: So it's chested it down. Bergwijn, it's 2-2. Spurs have got a late equaliser with what surely is the last kick of the game. Bergwijn has smashed it home.
1: Leicester couldn't hold out. So there can't be yet more twists here, can there? Kane has played it through. Bergwijn will get there. Bergwijn round the goalkeeper. Bergwijn
3: to win it! He has done! That is absolutely extraordinary! Steven Bergwijn with two goals right at
1: the end of the game.
2: Well, kids, that's why you don't leave football matches early. There is no way that a train back home is better than seeing two late goals like that. I mean, the idea of, of being at a match and then that sort of drama unfolding in the last few seconds where you barely thought it was possible is something that you would love to be able to bottle but can't. But conversely, also, if you're on the other end of it, it is crippling, isn't it, Darren?
0: It is. I mean, the Leicester fans are really giving it some stick to the Spurs fans. It's uh, It's happening again. It's happening again. And then they had the two-punch knockout, really. Uh, but just to your initial point there, I've never really understood why... Listen, everybody understands why fans leave. It, they want to beat the traffic, they want to beat the rush, whatever else. But you would never go to a cinema and leave five or ten minutes before the end, oh. or the theatre leave five or ten minutes before the end. But you'd go to a football match and basically think, oh, well, that's it. 5 I'll get the traffic, I'll find out the result on... I don't know, Twitter or whatever else. Tele-text. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> That's too old for me. But
2: I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is because Leicester were leading 2-1 going into the Premier League game Wednesday night late on and the 95th and 97th minute goals from Stephen Bovine turned the time. I mean, imagine being at a football match, Crook, and walking out before the big moment. I mean, that would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Have you ever ever done that?
3: No, not me, Sam. Absolutely. I'm there till the bitter end, as you know. Um, <laughs> tell the truth. <laughs> Yeah, that's that the What happened? Actually, I've only ever left two games early. Uh, one was the Manchester derby uh, when City won 6-1 at Old Trafford. I left at 4-1. And by the time I got to the pub at the end of uh, Old Trafford, they were 6-1 down. And as you know, the second one was this season uh, when Cristiano Ronaldo scored that late, late goal against uh, Villarreal. I listened to that from the tram station. But that was my mate's fault because uh, he messed up his ticket, couldn't get in the ground. And having watched 89 minutes, I thought, well, I better go and find him now. It's
2: your mate's fault because you left early. Even though he wasn't in the ground with you, you thought, though, after watching 89 minutes, you couldn't stand to watch another three before going (laughs) to try and find him. And then missed the big moment.
3: And missed the big moment. So, yes, listen, I I can sympathise with all those Tottenham fans who were calling the sports bar last night, uh, (laughs) explaining and defending themselves for leaving early. But I have to say... Take away the, the the last gasp drama, and it was absolutely fantastic. That's why we love football. Tottenham deserved to win the game. You know they were the better team over the course of the ninety minutes. I thought Harry Kane was somewhere near his best. It would have been a travesty if they come away empty-handed.
2: Yeah, twenty-seven shots to Leicester's fourteen in the game. We'll talk about Conte's impact in just a second. Let's talk about transfers. Both of you boys have been on the transfer beat, and obviously that is the main talking point at this time of the year. And Darren, um, Dembele, Suarez, Christensen. All the talk of the town this week. What have you got for us?
0: Oh, Suarez is fascinating. 35 years of age. I cannot believe... I would love him to come to the Premier League and uh, do even just a little bit of it again with uh, Gerard. But I think he's too old. If he can't get a game at Let's Come Madrid, I cannot see how you can get a game in the toughest league in the world. Christensen, I think, will move. No deal for him. You're a Chelsea fan. You know all about that. Um, Barcelona seem to be the ones hovering over him. Dembele is fascinating. £135 million they paid for him a few years back. Now he could go on a free in the summer. They want him out this month so they can get money for him. Um, And it's all very acrimonious. He won't sign a new deal because they're reduced terms. There is a bargain to be had for a big club in this country. I keep hearing the name, uh, the club Liverpool linked with him, but I would imagine a fair few other clubs will take a look at him as well.
2: Yeah, he's a bargain, isn't he, when you compare... Um, the, the the money that he's on and how much he costs initially and what he's available for now uh, Alex so what have you got for us you, you've been concentrating a lot on Newcastle United haven't you
3: well apart from Newcastle it's not been a very busy transfer window so far I think that might change as we get into the final throes of it because there's a lot of clubs who still need to uh, bring in reinforcements but let's focus on Newcastle and uh, a name who has probably left my mouth uh, more often than any other player over the course of the transfer window, that of Diego Carlos. Now, earlier this week, it looked like Newcastle were confident of completing a transfer for the Sevilla defender, having agreed terms on, quotes uh, life-changing money. Uh, that was the uh, view of our European football expert, Andy Brassel. But Sevilla not so keen uh, to do that deal. I think Newcastle's latest bid is £30 million, still well, well short uh, of the release clause in his contract, which is more than double that. I think they're going to have to pay at least 40 million, if not 50 million. And as we record this on Thursday morning, I'm hearing Newcastle might abandon their pursuit altogether, which will be a big blow for Eddie Howe because this is someone they spent a lot of time uh, trying to entice to St. James's Park. That could be a a, a last bargaining tool uh, of Newcastle, threatening to pull the plug completely. But they've had bad news from France overnight as well. when it comes to this teenage sensation, Ugo Eketike, £29 million the package that Newcastle have offered, but some very interesting quotes um, from the Rans president saying that some of the bonuses included in that deal are, quotes, unrealistic, like winning the Champions League. And I do wonder, <laughs> uh, is, is this a problem for Newcastle? Because, as we've mentioned time ago on this podcast, they haven't really got the structure above Eddie Howe, right? And they are finding it hard to close out deals.
2: We'll have your best player. We're not going to give you any money for him now, but when we win the Champions League, we'll give you millions. <laughs> it will happen. Honest. <laughs> right,
0: okay, can let's get to it. Can I just say, before you move on, very, very on, quickly, I actually think it has been quite a busy transfer window with lots of posturing. I think the problem is that there are so many good players out of contract at the end of the season, yes. and those players are holding their nerve in terms of, well, if I don't play over the next six months, who cares? Because I can Why go in free. They? and I'll choose where I can go in the summer. So the clubs are having to persuade them with offers that they can't refuse, and then you've got your Newcastle into the mix. I think it's actually very, a big, big game of chess yeah, over so the next few say, weeks. It's a
2: bit more of a game of chess than it is a sort of January sale, a supermarket sweep. Uh, okay, let's uh, turn our attention to the big action of the weekend. I'm going to go to Everton versus Aston Villa on Saturday. Goodison Park uh, for Duncan Ferguson taking caretaker charge of Everton. But first, it's a big London derby to talk
1: about. And Kane is in the penalty area, the angle's tight. checks back onto his left foot, and Kane has found the net! We are talking about uh, one of the best teams in uh, uh, Europe in the world, uh, and uh, about Chelsea. Chelsea lead! And it's Antonio Rudiger that has got the goal! London through the fire.
2: Well, Down the left, he's got the wrong side of Conte, He shrugged him aside, he's moved to the edge of the D, a right footy drive into the corner, what a glorious goal from Kevin De Bruyne, and it's Manchester City 1, Chelsea 0. I answered this question a hundred times, if you look at our situation of long-term injuries, of key players injured
1: and of, of Covid, and you look at our schedule, you will have the answer. Bergwijn will get there, Bergwijn round the goalkeeper, Bergfein to win it, he has done! That is absolutely extraordinary. When you win a game like that, the adrenaline and the feeling is something different, and the way that that confidence and momentum can take you through to the next game is something that you just can't buy.
2: Chelsea face Spurs for the third time in three weeks, and although they dominated Spurs in both Carabao Cup semi-finals, crookie, they're coming off two very bad results. You were there. On Tuesday night, there's a bit of moodiness in the camp, an ineffective attack. Uh, Tuchel saying, we're tired. Spurs, conversely, obviously full of beans after that late drama in the Premier League against Leicester on Wednesday night. How do you see this one panning
3: out? Well, first and foremost, I'm not buying the we're tired line. When you looked at the uh, number of players that Brighton had unavailable, it was pretty much a a first 11, um, including their captain, Lewis Dunk. Chelsea, as we know, one of the richest clubs in the world. They've got a a squad as strong as anybody, arguably outside of Manchester City in the Premier League. So that's absolute nonsense.
2: Yeah, but But hold on. They've been working so hard. And they didn't have any games chalked off because of COVID. And they asked so nicely. They didn't get it.
3: (laughs) I love the mood music, by the way. Uh, But you mentioned moodiness. And that was my overarching takeaway. Uh, from that game at the MX, Right from the off, actually, Thomas Tuchel, very disgruntled on the touchline, very animated as he always is, but a couple of times he actually turned his back on the play. He, he was so frustrated with his team. Hakim Ziyech didn't celebrate the goal, which was odd, uh, and in fact, I had to uh, do a double take, as did the Chelsea fans in the away end, to make sure it had gone the right side of the post, uh, as opposed to side netting, just because of that reaction. Lukaku, cut a very forlorn figure up front, even Mason Mount, who obviously was left out uh, of the previous game, to me, didn't look at his best. So I think it's a very unhappy Chelsea camp. You've got the Christensen situation that Darren's already alluded to, Rudiger as well, uh, with his contract coming to an end at the end of the season. And if you look at the situation, I think in league terms, in terms of number of points off the top spot, Thomas Tuchel's in an almost identical situation to where Frank Lampard was when he lost his job. Of course, he's won the Champions League in between, so that will buy him some time. But Didn't I send you that on Monday? You did. Um, but we know Roman Abramovich is not the most patient of chairman. And something, something is wrong at Chelsea, and, and maybe Darren's got a view on this, but I think Thomas Tuchel, just looking at his body language and his demeanour and the way he has been in post-match interviews of late, I think when things are not going well, he could actually be quite a negative influence in the dressing room.
2: Well, he's had that situation before, hasn't he, Darren? I mean, if you go back to his time uh, at Borussia Dortmund and at PSG, one of his big issues was falling out with people. And when he turned up at Chelsea a year ago, one of the things he said was that he needed to learn from those experiences, has he?
0: Well, (laughs) it's a really good question because these are grown men who should be able to take criticism, but sometimes uh, Tuka can be too honest. And I think certainly his body language when Ziyech misplaced that pass that could have set Lukaku free in the game against City at the weekend. He jumped out of his seat, Tuchel, he punched the air, He's screaming, he was scowling. And then after the match, he criticised the entire attack. He said that Lukaku had to be part of the ammunition, if you like. He couldn't just stay up top and wait for the ball Um and I just think some of these criticisms are very near the knuckle. You don't tend to get them from the top clubs, the really big clubs, but then Chelsea are a big club themselves. Um, so he was yeah, right I think about Lukaku what in what he said, saying. though,
2: wasn't he? I mean, he, he was right about Lukaku. Lukaku Listen, did not look as if he was connecting the play. His touches were poor. He, he's, he's, he was actually not furious with Ziesh, even though he has been previously uh, for that effort. He was actually furious about the pass. I that he, but, well, I spoke to him after the game. He was pretty much, he actually said to me these words. If you're going to pass to the player, and he was talking about Lukaku, passing to Ziyech, actually pass to the player.
0: Well, Sam Wallace's question in the the written press conference was clipped up and posted on social media. Anyone can find it here uh, on the internet. And Sam started off by talking about Lukaku and Tuchel interrupted him. And he said, no, no, no. I criticised the whole of the attack, not just Lukaku. He talked about the fact that Pulisic was too indecisive taking three or four touches on the ball well, on that right-hand yeah. side, but he could have delivered it very quickly. Ziek, when Lukaku had his big moment and presented Ziyech from the rebound with an open goal, he couldn't take it. And, of course, that misplaced pass as well. So I think it is the whole of the Chelsea attack that needs to look at itself. Um but I do think, oh, listen, I, I do take your point with Lukaku in so much as he's a £100 million striker. He hasn't had a transformative effect. Um, they, do, they are too easy to play against when he plays at the moment and they're much more fluid with multiple points of attack when he doesn't play and they've got to work out how to change that.
2: Yeah, we're well, looking at Tammy Abraham's stats from Italy. He's got 15 goals uh, this season for club and country and he's playing in a team that are certainly not as well connected and creating as many chances as Chelsea. And people might be scratching their head thinking, hold on a second, is it really a £70 million upgrade to bring in Lukaku? I'm not entirely sure that it was. Um, Did the North London derby postponement give Spurs a little bit more time to get themselves rested and recuperated for their midweek game? And will that have an effect going into Sunday's match? Because traditionally they do not very well against Chelsea, Crook. I mean, in fact, Chelsea have won eight of the last 10 meetings.
3: I don't worry about them physically because I think what we have seen since Antonio Conte came in is that they are fitter. Um, They run more, which sounds very basic, but um, that was something they weren't necessarily necessarily doing under Nuno Espirito Santo. I think I'm more worried psychologically uh, about that record uh, against Chelsea. And of course, that recent two-legged semi-final when they were played off the park in both games. And actually, if Chelsea have won six or seven uh, on aggregate, then it, it wouldn't have been an unfair reflection. So I think that's more of an issue. Having said that, for all the reasons we've just underlined, th- this is a good time for Tottenham to be playing uh, Chelsea. I think in many ways there's more pressure on Chelsea than there are than there is on Spurs uh, because if they were to lose this game, then all of a sudden from looking certainty to finish in the top three, all of a sudden you might be saying, well, are they actually guaranteed to finish it in the top four? Or are Chelsea one of the teams that can be reeled in? Uh,
2: Darren this is a problem isn't it because now after the sort of mood has changed very quickly as it always does at Chelsea, everybody starts inevitably because of the way that the club is run and has been run over many a year as soon as you get a dip of results everybody starts raising the eyebrow waiting for the latest casualty I mean is Thomas Tuchel sleepwalking into uh, losing his job do you think?
0: No, I, I I think he's too good. I think Chelsea have learned from too many of their mistakes, knee-jerk mistakes that they've made in the past. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, for example, they let him go far too quickly. He won the double won and the then double. finished
2: second terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, exactly.
0: <laughs> Absolute madness. Um, they brought Jose Mourinho back, of course. I mean, okay, that did end in tears, but the fact that they had that brought him back was almost an admission that maybe they were too hasty first time around. And I think, too, is still building the reason why City are a well-oiled machine is that he's had six years to make it work and they've backed him that's what Chelsea need to do I will just say one other quick thing Spurs could muck up a cup of coffee at the moment and so I know that it it seems like a good time to play them but there is a mistake in that defense in every single game they play in right now that's why how do you muck up a cup of coffee well, I mean, I, uh, how do, you do that? Ask, ask that Tottenham defence. The, the attack, fantastic. Even without Sonday, you know, they carved out chances yesterday. Midfield, full of industry. That defence at Spurs is shocking. And like, anybody who watches it will tell you absolutely that, if you, regardless of whatever team you are, you will get a chance against Spurs. And I think Chelsea will get a couple of chances against them.
2: And more for Timo Werner to miss, possibly, uh, this weekend. Uh, Right, Okay, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Chelsea's home form. They've lost one at home all season, but constantly drawing has been a bit of an issue for them. Spurs have lost four of the six games uh, against the other top teams this season. Does that tell you that they've still got that glass ceiling they can't break through, Krug?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Although, obviously, a lot of those games would have been before Antonio Conte arrived. The late goals at Leicester have preserved his unbeaten Premier League record. So I think they are a different animal now under Antonio Conte. We spoke about transfers at the top of the programme. I'm sure Tottenham will try and do some business in in the final days of the window. We know that Daniel Levy likes to leave it late to try and get a bargain. I think they're still very keen on Adama Traore and I think um, that would be a, a good addition to their side. But I think... I think Antonio Conte will expect Tottenham to be better than they were in those two League Cup games and if they are going to finish in the top four they're going to have to start picking up results against their immediate rivals so that will be the next objective
2: Saturday isn't Saturday
3: unless it's game day
0: Rafa Benitez has been sacked
3: as manager of Everton
0: Duncan Ferguson at Goodison
3: appointed as caretaker manager it's really- Coutinho who is equalised in front
1: of the whole ten, you cannot ride this!
3: We've come here for a reason and, and the reason is to try and be as successful as we can.
1: Tease it up for Rafinha! Still in the bottom three. Getting
2: out of the bottom three obviously is the ultimate goal, but we, we have to take it step by step and we just have to win. all
1: right right footy drive into the corner. What a glorious goal from Kevin de Bruyne.
2: They are setting a pace that no one else can match
1: at the moment. Armando Broja, Southampton's top scorer, wheels away in celebration. Thrills and spills as ever on game day on Talk Sports.
2: 12.30 on Saturday, it's Everton against Aston Villa. Over and out, Benitez has been banished and Big Dunk is back in charge in a caretaker capacity to take a charge of Everton. And it should be a supercharged atmosphere at Goodison Park with Gerrard returning to Merseyside, bringing Villa to town. And what's the first thing that Duncan Ferguson has to address, Darren Lewis?
0: Um, unity. He needs to get all the players together get them more focused, um, work out a plan that works for the team. Not just Tub Thump, there is a misconception that he's just all about clenching his fist and doing the old William Wallace. I mean, I think as far as he is concerned, he's got a good footballing brain and I think he needs to make sure that the players... Know their job, keep it simple and go out there and get three points. And even if they don't get the three points, go out there with a performance of commitment because we haven't seen that for far too long from players in an Everton shirt.
2: And what he needs to do is stop the team leaking goals, Crookie, doesn't he? Because they've conceded 13 in the last five home games.
3: Yeah, maybe start scoring them as well because they're not exactly banging them in at the other end. So, uh, I mean, how long's your inbox if you're if you Duncan Ferguson? Listen, we know that just because of the type of character that he is, his presence on the touchline will give the, the place a lift. He'll give the fans a lift. I think he'll give the players a, a lift as well. Needs to get Dominic Calvert-Lewin firing because I know he's obviously had a long-term injury problem but hasn't really looked sharp since he came back. He did that um, before, though, when he was in caretaker charge, didn't he? He, he yes. ignited the Calvert-Lewin fire. He did, so I think he will be one of the big beneficiaries of that appointment. And listen, he, he's caretaking manager. Everton have said they will make a, a formal announcement on a long-term successor to the Rafa Benitez in due course, as I understand it. Duncan Ferguson is part of those conversations. You know, if he does well this time round. I think he might well keep the job, at least until the end of the season. Well, he has to be, doesn't he, Darren?
2: Because ultimately, everybody else has turned them down. Roberto Martinez was one of their main targets. He's not going to be able to get out of his Belgium contract. It doesn't appear. And why would he want to not go to the World Cup in Qatar? It was always something that when actually Crookie first raised it with me, I thought, oh, I'm not entirely sure that that will happen. Uh, They could turn to Wayne Rooney. And that chatter has started to get louder over the last (laughs) couple of days, hasn't it?
0: yes it has just to go back to martinez i i I always thought that was madness um he was the first manager machiri sacked uh he couldn't get a a belgium side with de bruyne and hazard at their peak to the european championship title um when he was at everton first time around his sides were decent going forwards but they couldn't defend and this is a worse rubbish?
2: rubbish is that what you're saying
0: I'm just saying in football we can sometimes be seduced by the Emperor's new clothes uh, and Martinez nice guy, his teams are good going forward, but defensively they're not rock solid and they need more solidity in defense. Um, and that's what I mean when I say that Ferguson's got to address that that unity, get them all working as a team to 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 protect that that defense until they can get the investment and improve in those center half positions Rooney would have to do that I know that a lot of my colleagues in across Fleet Street are of the opinion that he should get the job Mark Owen in his son uh, Martin Samuel in the uh, Daily Mail on I think it was on Tuesday both making good points Dan Collymore in my own paper uh, the Daily Mirror saying look Rooney give him a chance you see the job he's done at derby you see the commitment he gets from the players in a desperate situation and you realize that he could go to Everton and do a similar thing and there's a misconception that he, he isn't really that intelligent footballing wise that's and not true
2: anyone who read his Sunday Times knows true. that's not the case
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I, I would be fascinated if he were to go there. If he could have, if they could have got the deal done quickly, it would have been fascinating to see his Everton up against Gerard's Villa yeah. this weekend. But I think there's plenty of time for that.
2: Okay, well, it's a real possibility. I think that they're going to have at least a conversation with him, and his situation at Derby actually makes things a little bit simpler, doesn't it? Because they're in such peril in terms of. Uh, the financial situation they find themselves in. I mean, even a threat of liquidation is hanging over them. I don't think it's as severe as that. And always we push these boundaries back and these these sort of time limits back on things uh, to, in order to try and save football clubs, quite rightly. So I don't think that that is going to happen. But I do think that, you know, if Everton were to offer,
3: you know, 20 quid for his services, they would be forced to take it, wouldn't they, Alex? You took the words out of my mouth. If they offered, I was going to say 30 quid and a packet of pork scratchings, but you get the gist. I mean, the administrators there are literally selling everything that isn't tied down. Graham Shinney went for £30,000 um, to Wigan over the weekend. It's a desperate situation, one that uh, I think even the government now probably need to step in because this is happening to too many clubs. They're not the only team at the wrong end of the championship in peril. I was at Reading in midweek. They are absolutely on their uppers as well. Andy Carroll playing for a grand a week. And they're not even able to re-register him because of a spending embargo. I think that's the only reason they've not sacked their manager, because actually they wouldn't get it past the EFL um, spending plan that's been put in place. So championship clubs really feeling the pinch as a result of the pandemic.
2: At Villa playing well. Philippe Coutinho will relish being back on Merseyside as well. And uh, Gerard seems to have got a little bit of extra edge out of this Aston Villa team. I've been particularly impressed with them. Me and Crookie had a little bit of an argy-bargy argument on Uh, Sunday night because he suggested their form was rubbish because he was quoting statistics and I told him that they were playing very good teams and still competing in those games. What's your assessment, Darren?
0: I'm with you actually. Um, I I saw them play. I've seen them play most of their games actually, and even in defeat against City, they really did. Go down fighting. They show them too much respect early on, but as the game wore on, they grew in confidence. And I think, you know, in general terms, i felt for a long time that football needs fresh ideas in terms of our manager. For too many. Years we've been seeing the same managers recycled again and again, and that's why I'm so excited by the idea of Rooney and I'm excited by Gerard at Villa Park as well. And I'm surprised Newcastle didn't go for Gerard as well because if you bring him in, you attract good players to the football club, and that's what he's done with uh Coutinho, and that's why this Suarez stuff swirling around is so fascinating as well. But they play now with you know, they puff their chests out as a team, Villa, they go forward, the fullbacks bomb forward, the, in the final third they show commitment right to the end and that's how they managed to get that draw with united the other day um i think villa look good and with better better players and he will continue to evolve that side uh over the next sort of 18 months or so they could be a force to be reckoned with
2: saturday at three o'clock is manchester united against a, oh, let me just back out of that uh, Well, that Everton game will be uh, fascinated against Aston Villa and it's live on TalkSport at 12.30. On Saturday at three o'clock, it's Manchester United against West Ham and West Ham's last five games have produced 22 goals. And if United defend anything like they did at Brentford on Wednesday night, they'll be involved in another goal fest this weekend, Crookie.
3: You're absolutely right, Sam. And uh, I was listening to your commentary uh, of that first half in midweek. If I had a sofa to hide behind, I think I'd probably... Uh, would have done. It sounded absolutely dreadful from United. Obviously, much improved after half time, but you can probably get away with that just about against a Brentford team who missed chances for fun. Don't think you can do that against West Ham United. And if you look at their head-to-head meeting so far this season, United fortunate to win the reverse meeting at London Stadium uh, when Mark Noble was brought on to take a penalty that he subsequently failed to score from. And in the League Cup, West Ham deserving of their victory. This is a huge game for Manchester United, because they still haven't really produced a, a consistent 90-minute performance of the type of control, uh, which is the word that Ralph Ranick likes to use uh, in his tenure. And it's a big game in terms of the, the top four as well, because that they have points to make up, not least on West Ham. I think they have to win United.
2: Yeah, they have points to make up on West Ham, but they also have a game in hand over West Ham, but they don't have games in hand over Tottenham and Arsenal, who also are ahead of them in the table. So it is a fight the fourth place, if indeed it is only fourth base that they're fighting for, because the way Chelsea are falling out of form, you never know. Chelsea have taking two points out of 12 or something ridiculous. Um, so, there's there's every chance that there are things that are up for grabs. They need to start performing and they need to start putting points on the board. They've actually only lost one of the 12 games that Ralph Ranick has been in charge of, although it doesn't really feel like that, because of They've the been mood rubbish. around the whole place has been quite downbeat. And I, I was a little bit surprised, actually, and Andy Townsend mentioned it quite harshly in commentary with the behaviour of Cristiano Ronaldo on Wednesday night. Because after giving a big interview in which he said, follow my lead and everything will be okay, young people listen to me. He then went and stropped off the pitch after being substituted with Manchester United 2-0 up and trying to protect their lead and ensuring that they're trying to get all three points in the game. And I don't think it was a particularly good look. Even when they scored the third goal, he was still moaning.
3: I thought it was prophetic. I thought it was petulant. You know, I'm Ronaldo's biggest fan. I think he is the best goal scorer that the game has ever seen. I think he's one of the best professionals the game has ever seen. But that wasn't professional. Um, the, the reasons that Ralph Ranjit gave for the change after was made total sense, not least because he wants to rest Ronaldo for this huge game against West Ham at the weekend. So he should have parked his ego to one side. He should have seen that what the manager was doing was in the best interest of the team and in the best interest of him from a physical point of view. And to not celebrate when Marcus Rashford, who was in desperate need of a goal, finally managed to stick the ball in the back of the net, I thought was atrocious. I have to say, I thought it was really you know. poor. The opposite of leadership.
0: Do you know what? I, I think what Ronaldo did in those minutes gave grist to the mill for every person who felt that despite his goals, he's holding Man United back because he wanted to make it about him hmm. rather than about the team. And I thought his behaviour was disgraceful. Unlike you, Crook, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I was excited when he arrived. I, he's clearly a legend but he cannot possibly now criticise the behaviour of the younger, child, uh, younger players at the club when he set such a disgraceful example trying to undermine the manager. That was appalling.
2: Uh, you say children, you almost said children. Anthony Langer is certainly a child still. In fact, uh, yeah, he did get his second goal in Manchester United colours in the Premier League uh, in that game against um, Brentford. But he is, would you believe it, just 19 years of age, the way he took his goal was a little bit more composed and experienced than that, though, Crookie, wasn't it? I mean, fantastic.
3: Yeah, and the ball in from Fred as well, who probably has been Delicious. one of the success stories, Fred, under Ralph Radnick. I think he has uh, managed to improve since the, the interim manager came in. But, yeah, I like Alanga. I liked his performance against Aston Villa. Okay, he missed one decent chance, but he gets himself in position to miss that chance. Did you say it was a really composed finish? Not, not convinced by the goalkeeping from uh, Jonas Lersel. I know you're a bit suspect of him as well but it was what manchester united needed just to steady the nerves and then for the next 20 minutes they really took control of the game and and played well and, and listen the one thing that will uh get the fans on side of any manager is bringing through youth, one of our own and um certainly to, to the fact he's put his faith in a langer i think is a big tick in the in the ran box
2: uh west ham two clean sheets in 13 league games they do concede goals so we might see quite a few of them uh, in this game on Saturday afternoon. They are a real threat from set pieces and you wouldn't trust Manchester United from set pieces, especially after the way Brentford caused chaos by tossing long balls into the box from wide positions. By the way, the created chances, not just from long balls into the box, they, they cut Manchester United apart with some brilliant counter-attacking football as well. So you know, beware as to what happens on Saturday afternoon. Um, over 100 corners now. Darren, for uh, Manchester United this season, and they haven't scored from one. Maybe they need a set-piece, coach. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, Maybe they do. I think they're going to be sorely tested by uh, the height and the accuracy in the West Ham team. Uh, West Ham won four of their last five, and they'll benefit from having a free week, given Mm. that the United played, as we know, last night. Um, And I think that might send the points in their favour I'm not convinced of United's uh, that United are back after that uh, win against Brentford Uh, Brentford they had many chances to score blew them and allowed United in through the back door and by the end I think the score is unrepresentative of the balance between the two sides but I think if West Ham get chances they'll put them away It's that time of the year For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com 18 plus be T's and c's apply It's
2: important to know that this club goes in the right direction. This is always helpful for every player, I think. And and uh, we will not change massively what we're doing.
1: And a shot from a free kick, a wonderful
3: strike. James Ward-Prowse has slotted
0: the ball superbly and brought this game back to life. Yeah,
1: I
3: enjoy this game, to be honest. It's against Pep, it's always
0: uh, poor football. De
3: Davruna, down the right-hand side, chips it into the Arsenal
1: area. Ben White got something on it, the port helps it gowards!
3: And it's been steered in by
1: Rodri! You know, in January, no one is, is champion, so it's over when it's over. And in February and January, is not over. You have to give so much credit to Pep Guardiola, one of the very best, if not the best in the world.
2: 5.30 on Saturday Southampton against Manchester City and City's march towards a fourth Premier League title in five years continued at the weekend with a 12th victory in a row over Chelsea. Um, They have one or two tussles on the south coast with Saints Crookie. Home form has picked up, actually.
3: Yeah, is it one defeat at home all season for Southampton? Hampton um, Wanderers, yeah, yeah, and uh, they they do have previous against Manchester City that incredible game behind closed doors. I think City had twenty eight shots uh, and lost one nil. Shea Adams scoring his first Premier League goal in about match number four hundred and thirty four, a lob over mm-hmm. Edison. So yeah, listen, they'll they'll be buoyed, Southampton. I think uh, quietly they've managed to put a, a nice gap between them and the relegation places, but. Still hard to make a case, isn't it, for Manchester City not picking up win number 13 on the bounce and just underlining their status as the cream of the Premier League. You alluded to it at the top of the podcast at the weekend, and I'm inclined to agree with you. I think it is an issue for the Premier League that Manchester City are so dominant because we've spent a number of years now mocking the the lack of competition in the Bundesliga where, despite a number of false dawns from Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich invariably have the title wrapped up by February. Paris Saint-Germain, I know they had a wobble, uh, last season when they didn't win the French League. They're going to win at canter this year. And I do fear that at the top end of the Premier League, in terms of the gap between City and the rest, it's becoming very uncompetitive. That's not great for the product.
2: I told you, this is what I said on Saturday lunchtime. I got absolutely killed for it. But ultimately, if the title is decided on January the 15th, I know Liverpool's still got a say in it, um, then I don't think the league is in a great Place and the other challenges have got to come to the party. Otherwise, you are in danger of becoming the Bundesliga, which is dull. And it's dull because nobody else wins it apart from Bayern Munich. And you don't want to get in that situation. Four of the last five seasons are going to end up being Manchester City titles. And we've had one proper title race in that period. Um, uh, just a quick word on uh, what's going to happen at the weekend. Do you think what we'll see Pep Guardiola come onto the pitch afterwards, Darren and uh, Pat, uh, Nathan Redman on the back and start telling him about great is? And uh, he should do that more often or something. He loves to do that. He He loves a little bit of patronising after the event. You know, oh, they're so good. They're so good. They're so good. Wonderful team. Wonderful team. Brilliant team. Brilliant. 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 But we beat you 4-0.
0: I love when managers do that. Wenger used to do that all the time. Uh, He used to patronise the teams that, Quote unquote played football, but the ones that actually frustrated parked the bus were organized tight, denied him a point. <laughs> yes, he, so. They don't want to play football, only one team wanted to play football, Old you know. Time. And that's what Guardiola would be likely to do, uh, to be at the weekend. It's quite interesting, actually. Uh, Southampton, one of only three teams to prevent city scoring this season in the Premier League. Who the are others? the others? Who are the others? Who are the others? Spurs, remarkably, yeah. Crystal West Palace. Ham, Oh 40. Uh, yeah, Crystal Palace, sorry, because West Ham was in the um the EFL Cup. Um but yeah, Crystal Palace. So I mean listen, all three of us are, are convinced um that I mean, even Jeremy, who's our producer today, we're all convinced that City are going to win this fairly easily. But there have been freak results as far as they're concerned this season. And this is such an unpredictable league. I know you're talking about the predictability of it. But just when you get complacent, maybe you could get bitten on the bum uh, by a side that you least expect to do so.
2: Right. Okay. let's get to the coaching battle of our ages. Um, Bielsa versus Howe. Uh, Saturday, three o'clock, Leeds versus Newcastle. If Leeds play like they did on Sunday against West Ham, Newcastle are bang in trouble, aren't they? Because they don't have the relentless energy or the discipline to deal with that sort of force crook. Or
3: well, the defence. Um, and that's why Eddie Howe has spent most of this window Desperately trying to strengthen that back line. Of course, he's got Kieran Trippier, but it's in the centre of defence uh, where they're having real issues. And you're right, Leeds uh, full of energy in that victory against West Ham. Credit to, to Bielsa because they could have joined the growing list of clubs to get games postponed. But he said, no, we're going to play. Even if I have to fill the bench with kids and, and, and hand kids their debuts as he did, it was a fantastic game. Great advert for the Premier League. I actually fear for Newcastle this weekend. Um, I thought they beat Watford. I thought they beat Norwich earlier in the season. They managed to uh, throw away points from winning positions. I fancy Newcastle uh, based based on what we've seen so far. As you said, I just don't think Newcastle uh, have the tempo and the energy to match Leeds if they're anywhere near the levels they were at London Stadium.
2: That's bad news for Leeds. uh, That's bad news for Newcastle as well. They've won just one of 20 matches this season. That is a startling statistic. They've won less games uh, than... uh, uh, the Norwich City. Um, They've beaten the not- same
3: number of Premier League sides as Cambridge United.
2: Oh, it's, who've beaten them? It's not uh, Eddie Howe's fault, but I did mention on Sunday's podcast, Darren, that I thought the spectre of Benitez looming large now after being relieved of his duty at Goodison Park was going to become a problem. And, you know, I think we barely published the podcast on Monday morning before social media was awash with, with debate and discussion about the possibility of Benitez returning. Uh, in the summer.
0: That's a backward step for me. Yeah, it's for me too. I think what we've seen with Benitez is is that his methods are kind of out of step with the modern game. Uh, When you look at the managers now who are managing to form a bond with their players, they're younger managers who don't see exile isolation as a way of being able to uh, address any kind of conflict with a player they manage to take them under their wing keep them on side you look at the number of players at West Ham for example who don't get a regular first team game despite coming for big money but whenever Moyes calls on them they're ready to run for their lives and uh, I just uh, Benitez just causes trouble wherever he goes um as having said all of that Eddie Howe's under pressure. There's no way, two ways of dressing it up. His side are not defending well. I'm amazed that they, as a club, are targeting midfielders. They're all right in midfield. They're not that bad up front. They're not great, but they're not that bad up front. They desperately need defenders, and they're giving silly offers for good players to clubs that would otherwise surrender their players and help them out. And they're running out of games to save themselves. And this
2: is not a scenario that is in the far reaches of fantasy. By the end of the weekend, Watford could have beaten Norwich. Everton could have beaten Aston Villa. And Leeds could have won their game against Newcastle United. If those three things happen, the bottom three, Newcastle, Norwich and Burnley, look stranded, don't they? I mean, you know, that, that is a possibility.
3: Yeah. yeah, and actually Adrian Durham was asking me the other night, could we see a, a record low in terms of the number of points it will take to keep you in the Premier League? And do you know what? I think it might uh, when you look at those bottom three. I mean, you mentioned Everton there. I don't see them as part of the conversation when it comes to relegation. I think they do have too much quality. And I think Duncan Ferguson will give them a I agree Duncan with you, but,
2: but but they're in 16th crook. And if they were to win their game, they'll have 22 points. And all of a sudden, that gap at the bottom towards the fifth, from the fifth team downwards, from the fifth bottom team downwards, even the fourth bottom team, if Norwich win as well, becomes not a gap but a chasm.
3: Yeah, if Watford beat Norwich, as they should realistically, um, and if Newcastle lose, then big problems, and also it's big problems going into the final days of the transfer window, because again prospective signings, agents of prospective signings will look at the league table and think I don't fancy this much (laughs) Do you
2: fancy the game on Friday night, though? A six-pointer at Vicarage Road as Watford take on Norwich 8pm. One point separating the bottom four, as we've mentioned sequentially. Uh, Watford 14, Norwich 13, Newcastle 12 and Burnley 11. Uh, Norwich travel to Watford without Tim Krull. How much of a problem is that going to be, Darren Lewis?
0: Big problem, because he's their best keeper. Why is he laughing?
2: Um, Why is he laughing? He's laughing. Why is he laughing? What are you laughing laughing for? Why are you laughing?
3: I'm just trying to tot up in my head the number of goals that Angus Gunn has conceded in his last three Premier League appearances. That's
2: so unfair. You're so Uh, anti-Norwich.
0: Actually, the the restraining order actually says he can laugh as long as he's about 30 miles away. So uh, I think he's okay.
2: Everyone's 30 miles away, at least from Norwich, aren't they? I mean, it's so far away. Exactly. The distance to Norwich is almost as big as the gap to... Uh, them staying in the Premier League. Anyway.
0: Staying in the Premier League. Yeah. Listen, I think Watford are going to win this anyway. I think Norwich's win over Everton flatters them. Everton are shambolic. I saw West Ham play Norwich last week. Uh, Jared Bowen had more chances than Boris Johnson. I think as far as uh, the, the the Hammers were concerned, they won in second gear, and Norwich can't defend. They simply cannot defend. And I think Emmanuel Dennis, Josh King, they've got so many players that'll be able to get in behind and score goals. I think Watford win this, save themselves, and condemn. Well, we already know Norwich are going down anyway.
2: Well, they're the closest challengers. 13 points, Norwich. It's not over yet. Um, Listen, Kayembe, Kamara, and Samir made a difference to uh, Watford last weekend, didn't they? they? Three new signings. And actually, they restricted Newcastle United just one shot on target. I don't know if that says more about Newcastle than it does about Watford. But either way, you know, that was a really positive result for Claudio Ranieri to go up there and get a point. And you could see the sort of fierceness in his reaction to that. Um, all those three players have been working with a fitness coach to get up to speed. Norwich have scored 10 league goals all season. And, um, you know, if you looked at it earlier in, in the campaign, despite. The fact that uh, Watford have lost a lot of games, they do score quite a few goals, but they also conceded quite a lot of goals. And I wonder whether or not this match would actually end up being like, you know, 57, 58 or something like that, because they're just so bad defensively. But they're also not very good going forward. And out of the two, if you were going to back someone to outscore the other, it would be Watford, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, and I think player for player, Watford are the better team. I've just been talking it up, by the way. It's uh, seventeen goals conceded by Angus Gunn in his last three Premier League appearances. Twenty in God four, if you include the three nil defeat boy at home alone. to Liverpool. Why
2: are you having a go at him? It's just so out of order. Just because you fell out with his dad, you don't start a vendetta against him. They
3: they are startling numbers, though, aren't they? They are. Listen, I've Can got no, tell I, the truth? Can you tell? I've the got, truth got no. Truth I've got no problem with Angus Gunn. You. I just don't think he's a Premier League quality goalkeeper. Yeah, and his dad hates you. His dad does hate you. He does really be, does hate be, you. Because I criticized Angus Gunn for his not dad, being a Premier League quality
2: goalkeeper. His, his dad really hates you. He tweets about you all the time. He occupy you occupy far too much space, rent-free in his head. It is unreal. Um, right. So Sunday, two o'clock, Arsenal against Burnley. Arsenal against Burnley does go ahead. Well, until someone realizes one of the two of them have got a loanable or saleable asset, Darren. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you know what's quite interesting? Pablo Amari's gone. So we've got Flo Balagan who's gone. Sayed Kolasinac, who's gone. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's gone. And now Pablo Amari all left. But yeah, Arsenal don't have enough players to fulfil... Fulfill, right. okay.
2: But don't say that on Twitter. But Arsenal
0: right. don't have enough... Sorry. I,
3: he, he can't that. say it on the podcast, don't, let alone okay. on Twitter.
2: <laughs> don't say it on Twitter, because I'm just going to try and find this uh, tweet now. Yeah, um, this the tweet I sent out on Tuesday morning got... Uh, unsurprisingly, maybe, a little bit of attention. I ended, <laughs> ended up getting retweeted over a 1,000 times with 4,500 likes, actually, which is quite good, compared to 819 people having a go at me uh, from their Arsenal red-tinted glasses, saying that I was so out of order for even raising it because I must be anti-biased in terms of uh, uh, you know, picking on Arsenal because every club is bending the rules. And the truth is, is, is that, that that is, in effect, correct, but it's been brought to a head this week, Darren, hasn't it? Because people have actually just lost patience with the fact that you keep conveniently seeing games being postponed when teams don't have their full quota quarter, quarter of stars.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's quite fascinating that we as football fans or any group of football fans would cheer and defend not watching football. That just seems to be really bizarre to me. We would, we should want to see games all the time, particularly given that we went through a period, what eighteen months ago, where we had no football and yeah. we missed it. So we should want to see games staged at every possible occasion. Um, and and I think it also throws into sharp focus the debate that we had last week, which was that we can do nothing about the rules, but the clubs are taking advantage of the rules to get stronger before they play again, to get rid of dead wood, to get fitter, to get injured players back. That can't be fair. Absolutely. So the integrity of this season's competition is out of the window. And the only thing that you could say, as far as City is concerned, is they must be delighted that they're free and clear of all of the nonsense, because everyone else is involved in a game of self-interest, if you like, that could come back to haunt them down the line.
2: But if no one tells you the rules then how can you be expected to, to follow them? Even no, the, if you the,
0: made them. Well, I've got a friend. Exactly. I've got a friend. He went to this party and there was drinks and everything there. Right. And and he walked in and he had no idea that it was a party.
2: Well, even though um, there were like loads of people there and they were drinking?
0: No, he thought it was work. He and what about
2: worked. the DJ? Did, no, oh, was was work. there a DJ?
0: He thought the thing in his hand was 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 um, a, a magic marker. That's a big magic marker in his hand. It, it was a microphone.
2: So. Oh, right. Okay. Karaoke. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> Definitely a work event if it's karaoke. one does that in actual leisure time. <laughs> Sunday, two o'clock, it's Leicester against Brighton. Brighton draw more often than a toddler with a new pack of crayons. Six of their ten away games in the Premier League have finished all square. But this game depends on the reaction of the Leicester players, I think, Crook.
3: Where do you get these puns from? Absolutely incredible. Do you know what? I was watching you on Dancing on Ice uh, earlier this week. In preparation. They're analogies. They're analogies. In preparation for not me, points. filling not in points. for you. Not, and I thought, where, where where does he get this stuff from? Absolutely. He's a trained in- journalist, Darren. Will you believe that? <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's gonna be difficult, I think, for, for Brendan Rodgers to pick the Leicester players up from their knees when you I think it was ninety-four Minutes and 50 seconds, so 10 seconds sufficiently left of five the minutes. They were still leading 2 1, ended up losing 3 2. That is a, a hammer blow psychologically. I think the positive is that Patson Dakar showed that he could uh, fill the void left by Jamie Vardy. Uh, Madison continuing his good form, but the negative clearly is that they still can't defend. They got all kinds of issues there. Castagna um, facing up to eight weeks on the sidelines. I think he's got his work to do, Brendan Rogers, and it's it's been a really difficult season. Actually, you can you can almost trace their decline back to that moment when that horrendous tackle went in on Fafana in the preseason friendly, and, and it's all gone wrong very quickly for Leicester since then.
2: Yeah, okay, they did very well in the community shield, didn't they? They won that game, but after that, it was just a. It, I mean, it was so difficult for them with the injuries that they had in terms of defensive, and it just unsettled them, unbalanced the team. They've lost every single one of their first choice back four at some point over the course of the season, and that Guys, I know we got, I, I know we got
0: to move on, but did, did Sam, would that you've you've covered? Well, both of you have covered loads and loads and loads and loads. Of, all three of us, of games. Is that the most dramatic finish to a match you can remember?
2: It is the latest ever Premier League comeback. So it, no one has ever come back from a deficit at that late in the day. I mean, it was very reminiscent, I think, of the game in Amsterdam. In mm, terms of the, uh, the 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 drama associated with it, and you thought you'd never see anything like it. The thing is, with football, you can. I remember Martin Tyler talking about the uh, the Sergio Aguero. I swear, you'll never see anything mm. like this ever again. And the truth of the matter is, we actually see quite a lot like that in football. <laughs> those dramatic moments, Man um, United those, by Munich. Uh, it's exactly, you know, just wonderful. Michael Thomas against uh, Arsenal, uh, yeah, Ars- so, uh, Liverpool in the. Liverpool. Uh, 1989. It, it, we see these moments, these massive dramatic moments. OK, uh, I, I love it. I think, that's why, I think that's why a lot of people fall in love with the game itself, because it's actually never done, is it? I mean, that is the beauty of it, even if you're rubbish in a whole game. You know. I remember going once to Newcastle versus Aston Villa and I almost fell asleep. The game was so bad. It, it was actually the day I came up with my worst analogy ever, when I said something about Andreas Weyman hitting a shot which was as weak as 52 parts water and one part orange squash. The worst analogy I've ever come up with. So much so that it, it again, went viral because it was that bad. Uh, But in the last minute of that game, Loic Remy scored a goal and everybody left that ground feeling great. 89 minutes of absolute bilge. But one moment, one defining moment and change everybody's mood. And that's why we love football. Um, Palace against Liverpool. The last time Liverpool went to the Palace, the Eagles lost their bearings. Apparently that happens quite a lot to residents of such dwellings. Uh, But this won't be 7-0, will it, Crookie?
3: No, I wouldn't have thought so. Although I would still think Liverpool will have enough firepower to get past this Crystal Palace team. I think the... (laughs) From the outside, looking in, the view is that the Palace have improved under Patrick Vieira. I think they have. I think they're much more aesthetically pleasing on the eye, but they still struggle um, to turn performances into wins. You know, they've dropped a lot of points late in games, as they did when I saw them at the Amex against Brighton um, a week or so ago. And I think given that they're penchant for conceding goals, I think Liverpool, even without their main man Salah and Mane, uh, will win the game, and at the moment, you have to say Liverpool, the only team keeping the title race alive. So, probably from a neutral perspective, I never thought I'd say this. We, we probably want Liverpool to win and give us a title race.
2: Uh, is there a title race, Darren Lewis? Liverpool season ticket holder, subscriber to Liverpool FC TV, go, whatever it is, that app, the that original red
3: man himself.
0: Uh, I was born in Bootle, so don't give me stick about that.
2: Oh, that's um, that's that's one of those things that like Crook came up with for about twenty years. Oh, I was born in Salford. Yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: for those of you who can't see, Sam just rolled his eyes. Um, there is a title race um, because there are five months to go of the season. And um, you can't just take for granted. Listen, football history—we've seen so many good teams build up leads, and then rivalled clubs whittled those leads down. Now, this is—if you're—if you're asking my opinion and my analysis, that's my analysis. I'm not going to foretell the future and tell you what's going to happen because I simply don't know. None of us do. But the fact is that you cannot. None of us can sit here and say it's over. Liverpool, Chelsea, everyone else might as well go and play golf. There there are still points to be won and 17 games to play. So I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, they will see it as an opportunity to have a go at trying to whittle down that lead and seeing if the Champions League, COVID, injury, suspensions, a loss of form might affect what is an outstanding Manchester City team at the Anyone moment. Anyone got a pack says, of straws for Darren to clutch on to there? Do you, oh, you want to bet on it? I am absolutely <laughs> clutching at straws. Absolutely, I am. I'm not even going to lie about that. But the fact is that while there are points to be won, Liverpool will go for it. Hey, and while there's
2: straws to be clutched at, you've got to try and grab them, haven't you? I mean, let's be honest about it. Um,
0: <laughs> no, listen, sat- no, no lying at all. No lies told. Saturday, three
2: o'clock, Brentford versus Wolves. I think this will be a terrific game. Uh, but it is the battle of the XG losers in action, isn't it? You know, Wolves should have 23 goals, but only have 17. And Brentford should have 28 goals or more, but only have 25. And in fact, in the game against Manchester United, which they lost 3-1, by the way, 2.08 was their XG. Manchester United was 2.06. It's
0: funny no one's really talking about. Why are you falling asleep?
2: Why are you falling asleep, Darren? <laughs> why are You falling asleep.
0: Sorry, I was was I, I wasn't. I wasn't honestly.
2: You was you were taking the out. I had out something XG, in my eye. weren't
0: you? I had something in my eye. Listen, You're so I crook, mean you're about I, as progressive as a Tory grandee. Crook. You are get with the program. <laughs> crook, didn't I, <laughs> didn't I? have something in my eye, crook? Uh,
3: I'll take you, i take your word for it. I was actually looking at the league table and not your face because um nobody's really talking about wolves in terms of the, the European conversation, certainly not in terms of the top four. But actually, if they were to win both their games in hand, they would be level on points uh, with West Ham. They're four behind Manchester United uh, with a game in hand, four behind Arsenal and five behind Tottenham. I think it, it's gone under the radar, but Bruno Large has done a really good job there because that was a, a football club that had lost its way uh, in the final weeks of Nuno Espirito Santo's reign. There was a lot of disenchantment of the football they were watching. Uh, a lot of the players weren't particularly happy with Nuno's methods towards the end of his tenure. He's got, them, he's got them winning. He's got them difficult to, to play against. He's got them conceding only 15 goals this season. That's the second best defensive record behind Manchester City. I think he's done a tremendous job, Bruno Large.
2: Yeah, and if they do win their games in hand and Tottenham win their games in hand, they'll still only be seven points behind Antonio Conte's men. Uh, but it's all ifs, buts and maybes, as football always is. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your uh, contributions today. Appreciate it. Enjoyed uh, looking at your little faces. And um, I hope to uh, speak to you very, very soon. The Game Day podcast available via the TalkSport app every week and downloadable on Spotify, on iTunes, and everything else. Uh, Darren, uh, have a good week. Appreciate you your too. time. Uh, Crookie, next time I see you, we'll be at dancing on ice together. You're going to come with me this week to learn the ropes, aren't you? Because you're going to I will. do a little episode. How's yeah. it go?
3: Yeah. No, 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 no.
2: Don't do that. you get thrown out. By the way, just to let you know, right? I am concerned that you are going to get the show cancelled, so try and be on your best (laughs) behaviour. That's it from us. We're back on Monday morning.
0: Eat before you leave, Crook. Don't eat the food there, please.
2: (laughs) Bring your own almond croissant. Um, We're back on Monday morning as we look back on all the weekend's Premier League action.